0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the Fugazi catalog, from Fuga A to Fugazi. I'm your host, Ian James Wright. And joining me today to discuss Blueprint... From the 1990 album Repeater, we have Travis Just of the New York Ensemble Object Collection. He's the composer and conductor of It's All True, which is an experimental opera based on Fugazi's archive of live recordings. Uh, Travis, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Thank you for coming on. Um, Before we get into any further, can you explain to our listeners what It's All True is exactly?
1: Yeah, uh, it's a performance piece, a live performance piece um that uh my that I made for my group Object Collection um in twenty sixteen. Um it's uh based on all of the sort of um all the sound and noise from all oh how many are there? Eight hundred and seventy, eight hundred and ninety? I can't remember. All of the released Uh, shows from the, from the Fugazi's live archive series. Um, so everything on there except the songs. So I went through, um, the entire archive, um, uh, uh, and, uh, kind of made a log of like all the sort of sounds, feedback and like little drum rolls and like this and that, and like little like random pointless, aimless riffs and noodling. And, and then, you know, and and sort of collaged that together to make like a this hundred minute ninety minute um, uh, thing. And then uh, then transcri- overlaid all that transcribed it and then um, had an ensemble of four electric guitars and two drummers and a couple of the guitars doubled on bass um, play it. And then there was also the vocals um, were also made up of like text from those same things, like the same like interstitial text. And, uh, my, uh, uh, collaborator Cara Feeley, did the exact same process and wrote a script. Um, and, you know, based on the random, t- you know, the things, the hecklings and like pre-concert speeches and all that, you know, all that kind of like back and forth, um, and, uh, made a script out of it. And then that is the, then we staged it and we, uh, and yeah we performed it live a bunch of night and we made an album at some point in the last year it's been it's been a it's a foggy couple of years Right so. and
0: and you're um the performers who were delivering the uh, the vocal parts were also just sort of engaged in various um I don't know shenanigans on stage like uh uh Is-
1: it's definitely a shenanigan based piece. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's staged. I mean, so it's, it's, they were just standing there, um, at, at, at microphones. They were, in fact, we worked very hard to like avoid like a rock concert, like vibe. So they had like, you know, uh, radio mics and they're like running around, they're doing yes. Yeah, so there's like, there's a set, there's lights. It's, it was in a small black box theater. Um, it, you know, like a uh, hundred seat theater in New York. And we did it. We toured it around a few places also uh here and there we did actually do it in a couple of rock clubs and a couple of like random spots but um but yeah sort of the full-on production was in like was in like a theatrical space
0: before i forget to ask you you mentioned you had four guitars two bassists. i I was trying to i was looking back there trying to see was one of the guys playing a theremin at one point
1: no but you know they did they do a lot of stuff to like generate feedback so like they're like they're like um because I like, like, like notated the feedback in really weird right. ways. So sometimes they're like rubbing the guitar against things and they're like spinning around and doing this. And there's there's a dude who like, yeah, I mean, they, they're messing with their pedals a lot to like get all the various like stupid sounds <laughs> that I asked them to do. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so
0: that's the biggest thing I think I was wondering about um, is, so yeah, you, you mentioned notation. is How strictly do the musicians follow the
1: music? Like is there sheet music? Are they improvising at all? What's happening there? it was really hard because like I made I made this like audio collage this like 100 minute audio collage you know and then I was like okay what do I do now and because I you know I I wanted to have people play it um but like you know I didn't know the best way so actually at one point I was like okay maybe I can give them like verbal instructions and they could kind of semi-improvise it or maybe you could do a little like a mixture of this and that but it was just it was so chaotic and it was so hard to like have anybody stay like start together and stop together be like anywhere near one another. So in the end I ended up like notating it in just like really it's standard music notation, which is actually kind of weird for me. Like I'm an improviser originally and like, you know, used a lot of like text and stuff when I composed, but like, um, yeah, this is just like, it looks like just like normal sheet music. And it's just like, you know, I'm there, I'm conducting time and cueing and yeah, they're following it to the letter. Um, so that's wild. Yeah. What's
0: your what's your musical background? Are you classically trained at all?
1: Um, I, I not well. Um, <laughs> but I, I I started as a saxophonist. I was like a I was like an improviser. Uh, like I played like I had like a, like when I was in high school I had like a jazz trio, and then um you know kind of like split off from there into sort of like outer you know more like far out like improvisational stuff. Like got into like Sun Ra and Eric Dolphy and Arne Holman and stuff. Um and in and then you know contemporary people. And then uh, got into, like, John Cage and 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 Christian Wolf and other sort of, like, experimental composers. And, and I mean, I did study, you know, I I, I went to school, but, you know, it was kind of, like, doing this kind of, like, weirdo stuff the whole while. I mean, I was also in, like, some random bands and, like, played in, like, weird metal clubs and, you know, like, places here and there. I mean, playing, like... But, you know, as a saxophonist, there's not a lot of, like, opportunity. So, um, you know, it's not as a... I was in a ska band. I mean, it was the '90s, so I was in a—you know—I was in a couple of ska bands.
0: Yeah, I absolve you, my son. It's okay. We, no, man, we've it's, all it's, been
1: there. It's, it's coming back. I can't wait. Is I'm that right? So, yeah, I, I hope so. Oh it's, man, it's, it's a good scene, man. I have nothing against ska. It's—it's
0: it's so much fun, really. I—I I remember those times. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Well, so the the whole the total effect of it's all truths. I guess I. I imagine probably a lot of people have used the word mind bending uh talking about this because like that's how it definitely appears to me it's um yeah so the the effect is you're just hearing all these sounds from fugazi shows um thrown together i was wondering a little as i was you know watching slash listening to it um, because i thought you know some of the vocal lines um they're not delivered in exactly the the cadence right that um that they were delivered on these recordings no, I, and they're sort of like it. more stagey right um yeah yeah and... well it's actually
1: notated it's like speech but like i notate the speech so oh, like wow. they do like but not like if they're not like singing i mean like they're like they're like singing speaking i mean i think for me it's like a kind of singing um but like uh they're more flexible than the band but you know it's like tightly cued i mean i like i have like cue lights and like i'm like I'm like cueing them. I had to cue them with my foot. I had like a guitar pedal rig so I could like cue them with my foot um, while I was conducting the band, um, and like these lights that are turning on and off and like telling them when to come in and stuff. But yeah, no, it's it's not like it's not like uh, they're not like imitating like the the people, you know, either the the speeches or like the guys in the band. They're it's like rewritten. No, but um,
0: but even so, uh, what sometimes I would hear a line and I would be like, oh, that's obviously Ian Mackay. Um, yeah. It just sounds like the the words are something that he would say. I was so I was like wondering if if you took a Fugazi fan and showed them this performance and they had no idea beforehand what it was based on. I wonder how how quickly it would take them to sort of catch on what was happening there.
1: Um. I don't know. You know, there's little bits of songs too. I mean, there's like there's like things. It's like oh, there's like a like there's like a it's like just a I don't know. There's like little bits. It depends on what you're listening for, but I mean, like there's like a little snatch of like of like uh like you know caustic acrostic and there's like a little thing of like oh it's like I know that like little drum beat that like that like Brendan does it's like you know so I mean there's like little things in there but like it's none of the hits you know what I mean so sure. but I mean you know like I think like when you hear the the stuff that people are talking about like it's pretty evident although we d- we did definitely we took out any like proper pronouns um you know like so we turned you know instead of like saying like hey gee we'd be like hey you you know something. Oh. Like. so we did like ju- to try to like make it like more um what's the word it's kind of like more general you know and also like a couple of like place names like if they like if they're like talking about like um like whatever like there's like a reference to like clarence thomas or something And like we like kind of like made it like open-ended you know like say like looks the, like the like the supreme court or whatever something like that so that would like so that didn't feel dated because we you know like one of the dangers with doing that thing was that it would feel like a nostalgia piece or it'd be like you know, like, like this, like kind of like nineties revival, something or other, which is like not what we wanted to do at all. So we wanted to like make it feel contemporary and, you know, as, as much as possible.
0: Sure. And also as far as capturing the sound of Fugazi goes, I, th- you did a really good job just with the tonality, the timbre of the, of guitars, um, capturing what Fugazi sounds like, right? It it just sort of sounds like them. Do you, do you have any tips on how you replicated that sound for our musician fans who are friends who are listening? <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah i you know it's i don't know it's uh i had to get the guys to play like it's it's you know what it's actually a good description of how i think of how would i think of like when i think of them as players um i mean specifically the guitars right i mean but actually even with the drums like the drums like have a i mean one of the things you know the drums have a particular like brendan has a particular tight sound like it's kind of like a high snare you know what i mean and it's like it's a very like like tight and powerful it's almost kind of like and and it's almost like a like it sounds more like tony williams almost like sort of like the drum you know miles Mm -hmm. davis drummer from the 60s um then it sounds like you know i don't know like like the dude from like dead kennedy's it's not like that heavy foot drum sound right Right. it's kind of like light and skittering and like with the guitars like they had to be kind of like a mix of like like loose and tight at the same time so they had to like keep their place but also like you know they they like 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 be playful with it and kind of like be able to like skid. I don't know, it's 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 mm. a I don't know, there's something there's something I there's like a, I always think of when I think of them as a band, I always think of like this like loose tight sort of like like thing where it's like it's kind of like both things at once, you know.
0: Absolutely. Right. It's it's you know, they have these hallmarks of a jam band, you know, not using any set lists, doing sort of extended, you know, jams, f- feedback sessions, but of yeah. course they're also super tight sort of Post-hardcore kind of group, so yeah, it's they're they're unique that way. I'd say.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Well, yeah, that's that's amazing, I, and I gotta say, like, it sounds like you know, I've done some, I've been doing some background research for this show, looking through the archives, uh, mainly gathering data on just some things like how often certain songs were played, things like that. So, y- even the the small amount of research I've done it's a little time consuming. This must have taken you forever. <laughs> like, I can only imagine. It was months.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was exhaust. It was like basically any free moment I had for months. Like I was like, you know, if I was like, am I, I, I had like a job I was doing like all the mixing and anytime, you know, like I was like downtime in the, in the like theater I was in, it was just, like, it was like a concert mixing. And I was like, anytime there was down, I'd like have like an earphone in and I'd be like going through, you know what I mean? Um, and like, like, like flagging anything, you know, that like sounded interesting. And it's just like months and months of this, like any, you know, anytime I had like, you know, all evening long, I'd be like, well, got to put in four more hours of like, you know, going through. Um, yeah, it was, it was, a it was definitely, it became a, it was a labor of love at a point because it was like, not particularly, <laughs> I mean, the music is great, but I didn't listen. I, I didn't listen to any of the songs. So it's like, I just like was listening to all this stuff. I, I was like in Fugazi land, like every waking moment, but like, I didn't get to like, listen to any of like the super sweet songs, you know? So I was like, I was like skipping through all that. And just listen to them like chit chat, you know? So
0: Yeah. It seems like it might start to drive you insane at a certain point, but, uh,
1: I think, yeah, I'm, I'm still recovering.
0: Uh, was this, was this any kind of official collaboration with Fugazi? Did they grant you access to the archives for this purpose?
1: We asked their permission, um, before i mean i we you know so like we kind of like came up with the idea and we're like that's a kind of like weird idea i wonder you know we're like would that be like any good and so then i kind of like went into a couple you know because i i you know as a result of like the birth of the internet i mean i became like an and actually even before like i used to collect like tapes of like whatever my favorite like bands it was mostly like punk bands um i'm from minneapolis so it was like a lot of replacements um and and like whatever like clash and fugazi were definitely one of them so i had like a bunch of like you know, concert recordings even before the live series started. And then like, so I like took a bunch of the things that I had and kind of like went in there and sort of like made a test. and was like, eh, is this stuff like, would it really result in something good? And like it, you know, I felt like it did and it was like really interesting. So then I had like a mutual friend that like grew up in D.C. in this in this sort of like scene with and was friends with Gee. He was friends with all of them, but he was like particularly friends with Guy. And Guy lives in Brooklyn, um, a different part than, than I do, but he lives he lives in, in the in, in town. And so once we had, like, a sense that we wanted to, like, pursue it, I reached out to them and asked if, you know, if if if, if we could do this kind of, like, weird thing. And um, they said yes, uh, but they had no idea what we were going to do. They just said we, you know, they asked us to not, like, use the name, you know, as, like, a marketing tool, which we didn't want to do anyway. Um, so... Uh, you know, and like kind of like do something gross with it, you know? So, right. um, I mean, we we're trying to be, you know, as really like respectful of sort of like the legacy as we could, but while still doing this like kind of strange project. So, but they had no idea what it was going to be. So then once they gave us permission, you know, they didn't, you know, I, I would like tell them, Oh yeah, we're going to like do it here. We're going to like doing it in Norway, you know? And they're like, Oh cool. But we didn't like send them anything. And then we did the premiere in Norway in, in March of 2016 and then sent them a video and that was the first time they saw it. It was after the premiere, and they were like, "What the? <laughs> I don't know if it won't be a curse, but like, what the? What is this? You know?" Um, and it was, and they were like, they were. Then they became very supportive. They were like really into it, and um, that was great. Yeah, but, I read like, some they had, they, very kind they, yeah, words from Guy. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, all of them. It was really, it was, it was really amazing. But I mean, it was like they had no idea what we were going to do. I think they, I don't know what they thought we were going to do, but I don't think they thought we were going to do what we did <laughs> so
0: so taking it back a few steps before we start talking about the song at hand could you tell me a little about your relationship with fugazi do you remember when you first heard them uh or what that was like
1: i mean yeah it was like you know it's kind of i i mean i'm i'm 42 now so like i was i don't know i i probably first heard of them in like ni- 1990 or 91 maybe um i mean you know just like typical like teenager like and I was, you know, like I said, I grew up in Twin in Minneapolis and, um, I don't know. I just, yeah, I mean, they were, they, they were, they kind of stood out, um, sort of like musically, but also in sort of the, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's whatever, it's what I'm sure everybody who comes on here is going to say, but I mean, they kind of stood out in terms of like what they sort of like represented. Um, And, you know, when you're like 15, 16, that kind of like hits you first is like, oh, these guys like they like they like they have like a message, you know, like, wow, you know, that's really that's really something. But then like, you know, and as I got a little bit older and kind of like was more and more, you know, committing like my life to music for better, for worse, um, you know, I kind of I mean, like I kind of stopped listening to a lot of stuff that I listened to when I was a teenager, but like I kept listening to them the whole way through. Cause, i mean you know there's like a lot of like musical depth there i mean like it's like it's it's so you know like even like when i you know was like fully into like whatever like like outer you know like experimental music like i like i still like would you know check out the new albums and you know it's always like listen to them the whole way um i mean there, there's you know i mean they're just like they're, they're a fantastic band. I mean, like, as everybody knows, but I mean, like, there's just like a lot, a lot of depth musically, you know, and like lyrically also, of course.
0: Yeah. Not to mention plenty of material, right. They have a lot of albums yeah. and uh, as, as you well know, plenty of live recordings to, uh, to keep you interested. Right.
1: Yeah. And it and it never fell off. I mean, it's like, they were like, just so like, like, like great, like all the way through. And I mean, you know, it's like, that's, that's difficult for like most band, for most like rock bands, you know?
0: Absolutely. Well, uh without any further ado let's talk about the song that uh we're discussing today um so blueprint it's a, so in the sequence of this podcast we're going through the catalog alphabetically this is the first song in our sequence uh from the album repeater was that um oh. so i mean if you got into them around 1990 um that might be the album you were first aware of possibly you have
1: any- possibly i don't i think it was pro- i mean you know like waiting room was like was like, that was like the jam, you know, I mean, like, sure. it was like, around. I mean, I know that that song had been around for a while. But I mean, like, you know, stuff didn't travel as fast um, in my, you know, at least in my circles, like, as it does now. So I mean, it's like, you know, and it was and it really was like an underground, it was like underground, you know, so you had to like, you had to like meet that one kid in school that was like, Oh, man, like, check this out. It's like, Oh, yeah, you know, it's so like, it kind of like trickled, at least yeah. for me. You know? And I mean, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't like very, I wasn't plugged in at all. You know, Like I was just like, i was like you know I, I didn't know like anybody involved in sort of like culture or anything you know i mean like i wouldn't even know what that was um so but i mean yeah i think it was repeater it might have been steady diet i guess that's 91 right so um yeah it would have been it would have i don't but also like repeater was like i, I heard a lot I, I mean the song you know um I don't know man it was a long time ago. so yeah. I can't really remember. But, but uh, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean it was kind of the same for me. Fugazi pulled me into the scene. I I didn't know about them from already being in the scene. So yeah, I, I have a feeling that's the case uh with a lot of people, you know, hear about yeah. hear about them by word of mouth and it introduces you to a larger world. Um also the song Blueprint I mean, you've spent a lot of time looking at their the live archives and stuff. Do would you have a wild guess about you know how this ranks on their most played songs charts?
1: It was pretty heavily played, like ninety, ninety one, ninety two. I think it falls off a bit, though. I don't think they do it as much later on. So. I feel yeah. like I'm like on a game show, like the <laughs> weirdest game show. Yeah, ever. I. This is. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, like, like it's kind of middle of the pack. This um, is
0: actually number three, with a no. bullet. the number three oh, most man. played Damn. song in their catalog, 584 wow. times, uh, is Holy. according to the data that I have. Um, yeah. It's the most played song from Repeater. Um, yeah, well, they that's, they debuted that's, it live in 1989 uh, in uh, in November. Well that's
1: it's old. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: This is also, uh, by the way, it's not only the first song that we're covering in this podcast from Repeater, but it's the first song where Gee takes the main vocals. So going back to to talking about Gee for a second, I mean, I, I would love to take just a minute to express my general Gee appreciation here. Um, yeah. It's it just uh, as a as a sort of freak of how this podcast is going. Like the first several have been Ian songs, um, but we have our first Gee song here. So I mean. I I just love to say about him. It's so awesome how he and Ian are sort of uh, contrasting, not contrasting but um, you know, supplemental maybe forces on stage to each other. Um uh, yeah. it's I'm even just looking at them, right? So Ian's um he's always I always think of Ian playing with like his sort of like legs together, uh, and Guy is like got his legs wide apart, like his joints locked, and he's on in some kind of insane triangle shaped stance as he's uh, playing guitar. Uh, so that's awesome. His vocal delivery is uh, is such a cool contrast. Ian also he, he's both. Um, you know, it's uh, it's this interesting melodic sense he has, and these little he throws in these little trills a lot of the time, like bruh, like at the beginning yeah, yeah, of lines. Yeah. You know, it's so cool, mm-hmm. and um, and his lyrics are sort of strange, impressionistic a lot of the time. Um, so yeah, let's hear it for Gee. You know,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: um, so uh, for for Blueprint, um, you know, this is I'm I'm gonna let you have the first word in general on this uh you said you you would be interested in talking about this so um do you have any general opening remarks to talk about this
1: you know the, i mean there's there's something like lyrically about it that's that really like resonates you know because i mean it's it's kind of like um i don't know i mean you know, i it's funny like with lyrics it's hard because like i never like i you know i mean i used to just like do like cassette dubs of cassette dubs you know or then i was like listening to like the live shows so i actually like never saw a lyric sheet you know what i mean like i don't and i never like would listen to so i'm not even 100 sure what the lyrics are you know i mean even for like some of my whatever like my favorite songs like i don't totally know what the words are um and i like mishear them all the time so like maybe i'm like saying them wrong but like i kind of like feel like um you know i mean there's something about like the way that by like putting the sort of like responsibility of um you know, of, I mean, I, I hear it in kind of like cultural terms, like a blue, like, you know, like, like, like we can make a blueprint. Right. Um, I mean, obviously you can apply that to like, you know, political, uh, situations or, or, or any other kind of like social situation. But I mean, like, I like thinking about it in terms of like a cultural relationship between like artist and like audience and artist and market and like all that kind of stuff. And I mean, like it does like, what I like about it is it like puts a responsibility on like the audience. Um, you know, that, that, like, that, like, that it's their choice, you know, like what they listen to, like, they don't need to be told, um, you know, they don't have to just like accept what's being, what, what, what's being given to them, but like, they, you know, they can choose what they buy, you know what I mean? And like, buy doesn't have to be with money, of course, it can just be, they can choose what they engage with, um, and I, I like that because, I mean, one, you know, like, in this like underground, like performance world that I'm in of like, you know, theater and dance and like experimental music. Like, I mean, that's, that's like fundamental to like its very existence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. is like, is like having like this audience and having these artists that like make that like kind of like radical choice, um, and like apply it, you know, like down the line. Um, and you know, I, I have like, I, I I'm kind of like, absurdly optimistic about audiences you know i mean i i mean i do this kind of like far out thing that's like kind of that's not particularly that's not marketable in any way and it's you know it's definitely like a niche but I, it's the kind of thing where it's like it's a niche for anybody you know what i mean like anybody can like choose to like be involved in in it or like be involved in like whatever like underground punk rock or like underground like it's it's open to everybody but like you have to like make that choice and go to it and like, you know, like look into it. And I don't know. That's kind of what the words sort of say to me. And I mean, you know, musically it's like super strong too. I mean like that sort of like the sort of like fake out, like like peaceful sort of like chord strumming at the beginning and then it just like bangs right in, you know? I mean, that's, that's yeah. a, that's a, that's a hot beginning, you know?
0: It is hot. I like it in the beginning. Um, I mean, you're, you might know more about music than me is it correct to, to call it a, a pedal tone like uh, his guitar is playing these octave chords it's but it 's the same chord the whole time as Ian 's guitar moves through the chord changes um, I think they call that a yeah, tunes. I guess
1: so. I think that's—I don't know. My my terminology is really bad. Like I said, like I'm—I—I I, I didn't pay a lot of attention in music school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, but um, but yeah, it's something like yeah. I mean, like, it's it's definitely yeah. It's definitely like one of that. I guess that also. I mean, it'd be worth noting because I mean, this is when did when did Guy actually start playing guitar on stage like. Was that sometime in ninety, or did, was he already doing it in eighty-nine? It took a while, right? That's like, a
0: good question. I I don't know the exact date. I'll have to uh, yeah I'll have to look into that.
1: I, it's, yeah, I forget exact. I, it, maybe it's not that long, but like I know that definitely. Like you listen to like those eighty-seven, eighty-eight shows. And God, I don't think he like he's not playing guitar. You know, like right. there's a point where he like picks up guitar. Um, anyway, so I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure when that happens, but um,
0: it's a nice trick though. Like it's uh, as far as Guy and Ian um being being nice um being nice counterparts to each other I guess is you know Ian's often sort of like chugging along with some kind of like sort of uh chuggy rhythm guitar part and Gee's doing this uh whacked out melodic um wailing uh lead part that's uh not always but that's the way I, I think of them interplaying a lot on guitar um
1: yeah, and they kind of like, I mean, it's 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 true, actually. I never really thought about it that way, too. But I mean, they're kind of like, the guitar playing kind of mimics their vocal styles, too. I mean, like, Guy is always, like, swooping. He's, like, never kind of like, he's, like, always, like, coming into or going away from a note. You know, he's not like, and and Ian is usually like, bang, 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 you know what I mean? And, and which is great. I mean, they're both like fabulous vocalists and I mean, they're good, loud, they're good, soft, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like neither, but I mean like there is kind of like a little more, like it's very distinctive, you know what I'm saying? And like, it does kind of like mimic their sort of like guitar approach. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know, you know, it's like, it's hard sometimes in in those, you know, when they're like both like going full on in the feedback stuff, um, it's hard to like pick out. So, I mean, that might be like a different like figuring out who does what, although I think like, what did Gee tell me that like Ian didn't use any effects? Yeah, right. Right. Like I We've did he use no effects pedals? He just used the Marshall. Actually, that was funny, because like all the guys in my band, like all the four guitars, they all use. This is this is going to be the most tedious. Off the like like. I, like, I want to get into but, like, the gear, man. The I want to get like, into it. <laughs> they all use. It. They always use, They all use like Roland, like, like like Roland amps. And like when I told, you know, because like it was like we played in like smaller venues, you know, because I mean? it's like a theater stuff. I mean, like it's 100 seat, 200 seat. We're not playing right. in like 2000 seats. can't C. use a
0: half stack there.
1: Yeah. So it's like, and like I told like Gee like that and he was like, oh, man, we always use Marshall. It's like, <laughs> oh, you know, I, was, I was like, oh, dude, I, I felt like I offended him. You know, it was like, um, and then, but then the guys in my band I talked to like, yeah, well, you know, Marshall, it's because they're like filling up these giant, these big rock clubs, you know. So, yeah, it was a funny thing. But, yeah, I don't think Ian used any effects. And I don't know that Guy really did either. Um, yeah, we've talked
0: about this on the podcast a couple times. Uh, as far as I know, yeah, Ian didn't use any effects. Uh, Gee usually had uh, one distortion pedal, like an MXR Distortion Plus, yeah. I think it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's about it, which makes it just sort of fascinating how they found so many... Different sounds uh, just with their yeah. hands. Uh, I I but really admire thing, that as a as a guitar player. There was
1: that the kill the kill switch on on Ian's guitar was like that that was like my bet noir when I was like working on my piece because I was like they that this thing where was like you know it's like clicking on and off and I was like what the hell is he doing you know but he had that he just had a kill switch which I don't but, know exactly what function I would serve now that's interesting. Are, are you like, sure
0: about that? What I what I always thought it was is if you when if you have a guitar like a Gibson SG like that. It has yeah. um it has two pickups. Well I'm not a guitarist, okay. so I'm
1: but but go ahead. So go ahead and tell
0: me what... what I think it is, right, you have two uh pickups and you have a volume and a tone control for each pickup. So if you turn the volume all the way off on one of the pickups and you use that toggle switch, uh it's not actually right. a kill switch. It's like um it's just switching back and forth from the pickup that's on to the pickup yeah, yeah. that's from not like... on.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the equivalent yeah. of this. <laughs> Sorry yeah. if
0: that's a pedantic distinction, because I know, like, no, they're, not, they're...
1: I, are you? I, are, are you a guitarist? I mean, I spent my, I spent like a lot of my last like three or four years with like four guitarists, so like it's fine. But like, I, I like, this is like, I do not like know of what I speak. <laughs> but so,
0: some, that uh, that that is a mod that some people do. Some people have kill switches actually built into their guitars. I think Johnny Greenwood uh, notably had that in his like Radiohead Telecaster um yeah yeah it's it's a it's a pretty cool little mod to do i've thought about that a couple times but i've never gone we it. Had,
1: yeah i mean one of the, the guys the guy who had all of that material like had that but i mean you know the guys i work with like they they do like they have like they're like you know technical metal bands and like they're like whatever rock band but they also do a lot of like you know contemporary classical but like you know with electric guitar you know what i'm saying and so like there's a lot of uh like and actually a couple of them are like, you know, build their own pedals and stuff. So there's a lot of like modding going on and in, in, I don't know what you guys do. I mean, it seems like, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I played guitar. You sound
0: like a bunch of guys I would like to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, they're all right. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I guess going back to the lyrics for a second, right, you're talking about consumerism. One one thing I'd just like to point out because um, it's clear that the song is about consumerism, right? We get to that um that last big sort of sing-along chorus, never yeah. mind what's been selling, it's what you're buying. Um, what uh, It's a little unclear to me, as, as is the case with a lot of Gee songs, what exactly it's saying, but I do like how you know it starts out, um, he keeps using the word I and you, um, and there's this whole dynamic that, if, if you're listening to it for the first time, you're wondering what the song is about, and then, so it's the whole way through, and then finally down at the end like that never mind what's been selling it's what you're buying you kind of think oh this whole time it's been about something about consumerism uh, like you said maybe the relationship between the consumer and the person selling something maybe also between um, to bring it more into like Fugazi's something they dealt with all the time uh, the relationship between somebody who's selling something and some larger entity who wants a piece of the action like record labels not to sure. put too fine a point on it um, Yeah. so that's, I, I think it could be about both things at the same time. Um, but uh, there's this, I'll, I'll share just a quote from Guy. Um, it's, uh There's this punk history book, Our Band Could Be Your Life. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, so to quote him from that, he says, The power of no. Man, that's the biggest bat we've ever wielded. If it makes you uncomfortable, just fucking say no. It's made life so much easier yeah. for us. It just slashes through all that crap. Um, so that's, that's one of the... Uh, things that this song plus a bunch of others like merchandise and cassavetes um it's it's like it just reinforces yeah you can say no you don't have to engage in the kind of consumerism that other people want to engage in you have the power of controlling your own assets be that your money or the thing that you're making choosing to buy choosing to sell choosing whom to buy uh from who choosing whom to sell to
1: yeah yeah no, for sure. And I think one of the like the strengths, I mean, you kind of alluded to it, but I mean, like one of the things that they're that they're so that, that makes the, the stuff like still resonate, you know, like, I mean, how, what, 30 years later is like, you know, that that it's like it's it's not it's it's not overly specific. I mean, it's like it's incredibly specific. I mean, obviously, it's coming from like their own experience. But like, I mean, it can it can scale up to, you know, like, you know, political like environments that, that are that are like, you know, that can be like relevant then or relevant now or, you know, like like cultural situations. I mean, like it's 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 open to 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 a lot of uh, different like arenas, you know, and so it's I, I think that's one of the reasons why it still you know retains its power.
0: That's a great way of putting it. It scales up. Absolutely. I agree. So that sort of brings us to ratings. Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? Blueprint from Repeater. Could you rank that uh, from, say, one star to five stars, just purely in the context of Fugazi <laughs> songs, like from your least favorite to your most favorite Fugazi songs, something like that? Where would you put this one?
1: Man, you know, it's hard for me. I, I'm not a. I mean, I. I, I, I I don't want to like be difficult. I'm not a big ranking guy. No, that's fine. Um, you know, but it's a uh, it, 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 it's even hard. With, it's particularly hard with them because like I don't like. There's not like songs of theirs where it's where where that like are particularly weak. You know, um, so like I don't even like you know. I mean, again, like having like spent so much time with their catalog, um, like there's no, they're not like really like down points. So I don't even know that I have like weak songs, like even, it, you know, even, even like along those lines. I mean, I will say like this, it's, it's very dramatic, you know? So I mean, like it's, 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 uh, you know I mean? It's like, like I say with like, that's like slow beginning, the big, like, like sort of like kickoff. I mean, they would like milk those like opening chords, you know, live, um, you know, for a while. I mean, they also just use it to sort of like catch their breath or whatever. Um, uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard. I mean, this is, it's it's a good one. I'm I'm surprised that it was like the third most frequent song. I mean, so I, I guess they enjoyed it. Sure. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's a it's a good it's a good sing along. You know what I? Um, so yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's a great one. But you know, I it's it's it would be hard for me to like. Say it's better or worse than any others because I mean I, I have a lot of love for yeah that's why you know all part of, of
0: the part of the fun of this whole rating section is uh, seeing who wants to do it and who's kind of refusing so that that's a perfectly valid response to well, me I don't mean to re- <laughs> I don't
1: mean, I, 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 if I'm if I don't mean I, I don't mean refuse maybe I'm just like lightheartedly stepping aside how that's about that fine.
0: you're <laughs> not the first one I'll tell you that right now all right. Um, I'll I'll give mine uh, I was thinking about this you know it's undeniably I I, like almost almost objectively a classic Fugazi song um but for me there's something I don't love about it um and I I think I I was listening to it again I narrowed it down to one one aspect of a classic Fugazi song this doesn't have is one of those great Joe bass lines like the bass line is just kind of boring in this song to me it's it's Mm. just eighth notes it's just root notes um so that it's it's almost like a missing ingredient so uh controversial but as classic as this song is i'm gonna go with 3.5 stars personally uh pains me but still uh still one of those classic songs so at the risk of it's a good point
1: yeah it's true it it isn't a super active it's actually true i mean because he's he's usually like such a fascinating bass player i didn't actually i didn't i didn't pick that i didn't pick up on that but i mean it was also kind of like there's something about like those chords that are like so like even steven you right. know what i mean like and I feel like maybe he's like overemphasizing it in a way. I don't know. It's interesting. It's, it's hard. I mean, I don't know if they like got into like the conceptual side of it, but it, it it could work in a way. But that's a good point about the bass. I have
0: this running list of things I'd like to ask the band if I ever get the chance to interview them directly. I'd like to know if Joe kind of got bored playing this song live. <laughs> like, I don't know. I Because I've I've been in bands as a bass player and a guitar player. And there, there's some of those songs, like no matter how good they are, but as a bass player, just like... All right, uh, here, here we go. Um, but
1: uh, yeah, but you know, I, there's something about the two that's like there's a simplicity thing. I mean, like you know, like it's very direct, you know. Yeah. And I mean, there's 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 something rewarding about like about like just like nailing the most like basic direct things. So I mean, sure, and it's, it's it could be the kind of thing
0: know. where it's it, it's a nice little bit of a break for Joe. He doesn't have to like break his fingers going all over the place like he does on a lot of. Uh, The songs, so yeah, Yeah. I don't know. I'd I'd like to, I'd like to know how he felt about playing it. Um, okay, so that brings us to plugs. So, where can listeners reach you, Uh, and do you have anything coming up that you'd like to uh, tell them about any more performances or anything? Uh,
1: yeah, no, actually, well, let's see. Um, well, there's a website, objectcollection.us. And, um, and yeah, actually we have the, a, a new piece and a new album and, uh, it's a kind of like science fiction based thing that we sort of like drew from sort of Sun Ra poems and these Russian, uh, sort of utopian thinkers. And it's all kind of drum machine and synthesizers. Although there's like lot, there's like guitar, actually one of the guitarists from It's All True is playing on it. Um, and one of the drummers, although she's playing, like, drum pad and samples and stuff. And it's called You Are Under Our Space Control.
0: As always, you can reach me at Fugazi A to z at gmail.com. And you can also join the Facebook group, The Alphabetical Fugazi. Say what you will about Blueprint. Argue with me about giving it an abysmally low rating like I did. Um, I, I apologize in advance. Don't yell at me too loud. I hope you'll join me for the next episode when we'll be discussing break. Until then, keep your eyes open
1: we